listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hykera, and this is episode number 88. And uh, this episode goes pretty well hand-in-hand with the episode I just released um, that was about anti-cosmic Satanism and Gnosticism with uh, Joe Salino, um, because uh, this episode, uh, one of my best friends and longest friends, I've known him for close to 20 years now, uh, makes his... uh, Makes his first appearance on the podcast, which is my friend Chris Sniffle from the band uh, Admiran. And um, we uh, we talk about a subject that's very close to both of our hearts, which is orthodox black metal. And uh, the whole, um, that, that genre of music that kind of arose in the late 90s, early 2000s, was incredibly influential and uh, inspirational upon us, um, you know, being in a you know, late teenagers when when it started, and um, you know, really growing up with that, I made a very huge impact, and um, I think it made a huge impact upon black metal as a whole, um, and uh, you know, I think really set the stage for for direction that so much in the best black metal that is going on still to this day is continuing and kind of making black metal a bit more serious and serious, sorry, serious and um, about the occult and Satanism, and um, as long alongside the kind of anti-human, anti-cosmic t- type of subjects, um, of course, a lot of these bands um, were very intimately connected with the kind of uh, Temple of the Blacklight um, of the of the uh, anti-cosmic uh, frame of mind, and um, yeah, I mean, so we we decided we want to talk about about the genre. It's going to be this is part one. There's going to be at least two parts, maybe more. Um, I think we may end up have doing more, um, depending on how much we get done on the next episode. But essentially, we kind of talk about the the genre, and then we start getting into uh, our own personal history with 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 the genre, and then um, we decided to kind of go um, make it easiest to kind of go through the bands. And talk about our, you know, how we got into them, our favorite albums and et cetera from from the different bands. So, so it's kind of uh, kind of in a way a little uh, second part of the episode is kind of more of like a band by band breakdown, which which also kind of we tried to start with going a little bit more in in order, but uh, you know, eventually kind of became like okay, let's talk about this band on this band, and then you know we'll, we we didn't get all the way, so we haven't gotten all the bands in yet. Uh, so don't worry if you. We didn't talk about a band that you want to hear us talk about because we still have some real big ones in the genre to discuss, which we will do in, uh, in the next part. Um, that's where we're going to kick off the second part, and then we also want to get into a kind of more de- detailed conversation about a lot of the spiritual ideas behind the genre, um, you know, and where it's coming from and, and the philosophy of it, and even maybe get into some of the lyrics of the bands, like, picking some certain songs and di- discussing like the lyrics from certain bands to illustrate our points of what what's going on. So yeah, so there's a lot more coming about this subject and um you know, happy to have Chris on finally and uh just have a really great conversation um as I know, you know, it's a very important thing for both of us and um so, you know, this was uh pleasure having mon we're gonna hopefully get this next set part two out next month um so yeah hope you guys enjoy the episode and uh 
seems like the music episodes do really well so you know people seem to enjoy them so here you go here's a little gift um yeah so now i'm going to get into the plugs and then we'll get into the episode itself um of course i'm a part of gang of the podcasters called the horsemen of the podcast apocalypse which is every other monday you have horror wolf 666 with brandon legion Every Tuesday, you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike and I have our collaboration series that we do between the two podcasts called Darkness Weaves, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. Um, Every Thursday, you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Every Friday, you have the artist formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. And at intermediate times, when he feels like getting an episode out, you got Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. And Cheyenne's been uh, killing it recently. He just did an episode of my brother, Nas Alchemist from uh, Cleese. And um, he did, uh, he's been doing some cool like episodes with, with guys like, you know, from Valkyria and, and different bands. So it's pretty, pretty killer. And uh, yeah, so go check it out uh, for sure. And um, and then uh, associated podcast as well as my brother Konstantin Tuonohovi out there in Finland with uh, Tuonen, um sorry with Mycelium Signal, um, and of course he's from the Tuonen Porti Art Collective. So please go check out that podcast for all things. Uh, um, how can we say uh, all things uncanny and uh, and. Uh, and um you know this about sacred horror and all that kind of stuff um and then uh yeah please follow everybody on social media um and spread the words please please uh you know share the episodes for everybody and follow everybody on social media and and uh, subscribe on whatever platform you're on and and rate stuff and do all do all the that kind of stuff and we all really greatly appreciate the support. And um, and yeah, you can follow me at either my name. Uh, on so you can follow me on Instagram at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. And we have shows live at DenverUndergroundRadio.com on Tuesday and Thursday nights starting at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can go on the website, get more information. And then you can also go on the Instagram and see all our playlists, get uh, links to the Spotify playlist, and um, and see all the stuff about the podcast as well. So, yeah, go uh, go follow on there. And, um, and what else? And finally, I have a Patreon at patreon.com uh, forward slash Soul Knox Podcast. And it's $2 a month, and you get two to four bonus episodes a month. And I uh, get the pleasure of um, supporting the podcast and keeping everything going. And I highly appreciate every single one of you who's joined. And yeah, there, this month will be a little bit difficult of getting bonus stuff. But next month we're back to normal, and we'll be getting even more bonus stuff on the Patreon. And uh, yeah, and if you sign up, you'll, you'll get a shout-out right here on the podcast. So yeah, so finally, let's go ahead and get into the episode. I'm going to kick this off with uh, an album, with a song from an album that uh, we do discuss in this episode, and very important. Of course, it's uh, Norm Vangelm Diabali's first uh, release, which is Catharsis with Crucifixion. And I'm just going to start it off with the first song from that. 
The Last Wound. So we're going to play that and get into the episode. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan.
All right. Well, welcome to the uh, to the podcast, Chris. Glad yeah, to thanks for having me on. Been meaning to have you on like uh, since we started since I started. So first first time we've been able to to first first topic where it's uh you know you wanted to come on. So it's like good to ha- have you on finally. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like uh, yeah, I told you before. It's like I had this idea for for a little while. Um, kind of started. Uh, um, like I said before, I had an episode with uh, with Mike Hill about black metal from 2000 2010, but that was like in general with everything that was going on at the time. So it's like this one, I we talked about orthodox black metal in the time, but um, I wanted to get more deeply into that topic, you know, and, and talk about orthodox black metal and and uh, kind of the um, I guess uh importance it had on that period of time in black metal and early 2000s and the importance it still has to this day you know and get into to all the the different um where it came from the main albums from it and uh well you know labels like norby van jilm diabali and and then go from there so yeah definitely the um but yeah i guess like we're saying kind of for introduction for for what it is i mean i feel like most people are going to be tuning into this know what orthodox black metal is but maybe there's people who don't you know so it's like uh obviously it came out of um primarily sweden and france in the early 2000s right late 90s early 2000s and uh yeah. uh so a lot of the bands we're gonna be talking about are either swedish or french <laughs> but there are a few other bands right. outside of that yeah um, exactly uh i would say that you know, in a Greyland interview, uh, Thousand Swords type of era, um, Rob Darkin describes black metal as religious music. And um, pretty much this kind of uh, accentuates or expands that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Orthodox black metal, I mean, the term was created by Belfagor from Offermod which we'll kind of get into, but yeah, he titled it Orthodox Religious Black Metal. And yeah. it was kind of like, um, it was like that. It was like the idea of taking black metal very, very seriously. You know, a lot of the bands were, um, there's a lot of occult, like serious occultism within the genre. And then as well as, I guess like, you know, for me, when I first really discovered this, it was, almost kind of more of a uh uh medieval devil worship was a big part of all these bands like on scapped and yeah, stuff for me too definitely. you know so it was very like this kind of like um i guess return to yeah this kind of inhuman unhuman medieval like evil devil worship type of thing was a big part of orthodox black metal as well but then all these bands were also playing around with religious themes as well like you know like um you know, Death Omega with like, uh, uh, it's uh, brand of yeah, C Monumentum. You know, it's kind of like a real interesting, like, it's like, uh, taking like Christian type of stuff and then warping it with like Satanism. You know, that was a, I feel like right. that was a lot of those bands were doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's just about taking black metal like more seriously and in a deeper way, um, uh, which 
I think I've I've said on some other podcasts that I feel like the Orthodox black metal was when black metal really grew up, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Definitely matured. Yeah. Um, I would say that Orthodox black metal is very aligned with uh, the idea of occult black metal. And um, in terms of this, you can always tell like the generic from the authentic in a way that's um, you can tell that certain artists actually practice it as opposed to those who don't. And those yeah. who actually uh, get possessed by these types of things uh, and those who don't. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the Orthodox black metal. Um, I, one thing I really see of a lot of it is a lot of the bands described as being like possessed and channeling the music that they're making you know like they're yeah. they're tapping into uh i guess um numinous forces of darkness so to say and channeling these essences into music and words and and art and the vision and everything um and i feel like um way best way you can tell is by just um i mean a lot of times it's like just looking at pictures of some some of the guys like when they're in the middle of doing what they're doing particularly it's particularly easier for the bands who play live you know but when you look at a picture of eric from watane in the middle of a performance and his eyes look like unhuman like definitely rolls back and in the back of his head and everything like that yeah and it's just like you can see the possession and the intensity you know right exactly and that's that's what that's i think like the when the things that really um revolutionized with orthodox black metal because i feel like in the late 90s um when when the real roots of the genre started in the late 90s it was like uh, of orthodox black metal in the late 90s it was like um uh i feel like there was like a lot of black metal bands who were just playing dress up kind of you know like uh yeah like oh we, we look the part you know where is it like um but we're making like this kind of weak like music you know like it's kind um, of like that into necrosphere episode um jackie says that you can tell who's authentic versus who is not um based on the presentation that they get yeah i mean it can be easy for some bands to maybe copy the the surface of of the orthodox black metal movement because it's very yeah. uh you know it's using a lot of strong symbolism and and imagery but uh but if you dig deeper into the music you can kind of figure out who's for real or who's not because there's there's kind of a lot of these the best of these bands there's like this kind of numinous uh nexion of uh, dark force coming out of the music you know what i mean it's 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 mm -hmm. got something like real going on you know yeah yeah definitely the deepest genre of black yeah i would agree and that's why it always um attracted to me i mean growing i mean you know you know getting into black metal and getting into to the first first kind of level of it all and and then getting deeper into it and then this stuff coming out i feel like um you know obviously we're gonna be getting more into our experiences as we go but it's like for me i feel like when when i first heard a lot of this stuff i didn't quite 
know how to process some of it, you know, when you're 17 or 18 or whatever. Um, there's some bands that attracted to me at first more than others. And some bands I've kind of grown to love more as time's gone on. But I feel like um, the the importance of, of all of this on, on my development as a, as a as a musician and even like on a spiritual level is very, very strong, you know, like because yeah. of that, you know, cause it's intense, it's, it's for real. And it's like channeling these forces. It was like, uh, that's how I related to black metal was this idea of like channeling things. That's how I still relate to it because it's like, even say doing black metal vocals, uh, I find that I do do it best when I'm just in the middle of doing some creating, like you have the music playing, I'm, got the lyrics i'm getting into the feeling and energy and channeling this thing that's when i do the best vocals or the best guitar stuff or whatever where if you're just kind of sitting there without anything without not inspired at all like i can't you know could even do some things that i do like when you're in the middle of it and so i feel like right. and, and that's my experience as well for sure yeah so i've always felt kind of connected to this idea of channeling stuff so i think of black metal you see these guys like you know talking about that you know, it was uh, very uh, influential, inspirational for me. And then, and just the whole thing and like the, the seriousness too, you know, black metal has always been a very serious thing to me, you know, don't, don't particularly, and, and particularly like one thing that I feel like in that time period too, was you also had this kind of counter movement of hipster black metal kind of arising. Right. Yeah. You know, like right around yeah. the same time, Orthodox black metal kind of took over. And so you had these, and I feel like that's, I feel like black metal split at that time. I did an interview with Arcane Archivist the other night, and we were talking about that. It's like black metal around that time split. And so you have all these yeah. fucking hipster fucking bands. I'm going to have a really unpopular opinion here, but I think I won't send it throne room. Probably sorry that. I would agree too. Yeah. I was going to say that. I feel like that was what was in throne room and all those types of bands like around that time. And then, and then you got real black metal kind of operating really centered on orthodox black metal, which is kind of where we're at even to this day, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Kind of like a opposing science for sure. Yeah, very opposing in a lot of ways. You know, black, yeah, the, this side of black metal is, is all about black metal is a transgressive, spiritually powerful art form where that side of black metal is just a fucking bunch of poser like losers you know <laughs> actually actually uh the, like the hipster kind of side of black metal i would associate it with the left or whatever yeah there's very much yeah. people who are very way too like politically motivated a lot of times very like weak and afraid to be transgressive and just like uh yeah very i don't i don't really i don't like that side of black metal so it's like you know this side i like the side that people who are intense and for real you know <laughs> yeah. yeah but um so yeah so i guess we can get so we're gonna go through kind of the history mixed with like with the albums and talk about our own experiences with the albums as well mixed in and then talk, go from there so I think we were both we were both talking before that are um, we definitely both, in agreement with uh, where it starts. Yeah, where it yeah, starts May is a mayhem. yeah mayhem. Demonstrius Dom Sathanas is the ground zero for the whole movement, um, and the whole like central 
inspiration. You know, the whole ideas of, you know, that early second wave black metal around that time. That Definitely a pro prototype of what we're talking about. Yeah. I feel like, and also in Orthodox black metal showed up in the late 90s. Um, for, you know, offer mod and all that stuff. It was like, um, they were kind of advocating for a return to the type of way the black metal was in the early nineties. And a lot of the, I guess like, um, the ideas that Euronymous was kind of talking about, you know, like in the, in his interviews at the time that I guess I would associate with this kind of form of Satanism, which is definitely more tied to devil worship and then kind of anti-human type of antinomian type of tendencies, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, um, and also like, yeah, like, uh, very, very much that a very strong element of death worship as well within it all, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was Dud who wrote the lyrics to D-Mystery of Sadness and Madness. Um, and he presents it, presents it in a way that's, uh, kind of like practical occult knowledge and deeper thought in the same way that, uh, kind of dark throne presented um their brand at the time i don't want to touch upon that too much because you already covered it in a previous podcast um but as far as like shamanics spirit visions of hell and everything like that, yeah so. yeah channeling like, like i said in that that episode is like fenris talked about how he's like uh channeling channeling the lyrics you know like he felt like he's not even the author of some of those lyrics in that time period, you know, cause they're yeah. so like, cause they're so, so, so possessed much... by, uh, some type of spirit of nature or archetypal force or something like that. Yeah. The spirit of black metal. <laughs> like I yeah, always thought that yeah. there's like, there's like a real numinous spirit of black metal, you know? And that's, they yeah. Were, yeah. They were living they were there. They were emanating this, 1000% you know making under funeral moon or you know dead writing lyrics to Demysterious and and Euronymous and them making the music for Demysterious as well and of course uh, as an adjunct to that we also got to talk um, just mention like the Thorns uh, Area Descends demo as being influential and that ties What's into Demysterious De because uh, some of the riffs on Demysterious were written by Snorri yeah yeah definitely definitely the, the guitar style is very those single notes uh, stream like streamlined into something that creates like fucking content and everything like that. Yeah, like always um talks about the difference between say Dark Throne riffs and Euronymous Nori type of riffs uh, is that Dark Throne riffs generally tend to use two strings, you know, maybe yeah, three. Yeah. Where yeah. Uh, where the Mayhem uh, and Thorn style use the whole fretboard you know the whole all the strings they use all the strings they play these like uh a big part of what defines the kind of i guess outward sound of a lot of orthodox black metal is the uh um minor chord bar, minor bar chords you know right a lot, yeah. of, a lot of minor chords um uh which is a yeah that, that's that's really defining of <clears throat> orthodox black metal and you know true norwegian black metal stuff as well um and yeah i mean this was the 
I mean, Demon Service is the ground zero for, for all of it. I mean, it's my number one black metal album of all time, you know, and always will be. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, when when uh, when did you first hear Demon Service? Um, you know, I I heard some tracks online, uh, namely buried by Time and Dust. Um, when I first heard Demis series on Savannah's, uh, basically I bought it at Abyss Records, uh, which was in Indianapolis, and right next to it was uh, the Emerson Theater. They would hold black metal and death metal shows every fucking two weeks. Um, and for whatever reason, I do not know, um, Abyss Records basically had all these out of print like albums at regular price. So that's how I got the DSP version of Diva Series on Savannah's, uh, as well as fucking Abruptum's first album, uh, Enslaved's first album, um, and also the fucking Dark Throne Transylvanian Hunger, uh, Fierce version where it has Norsk Arisk Black Metal on it. Oh, you got, you got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, basically, uh, uh, yeah, I bought it at one of the, like when I was attending one of the shows, and uh, the shows mostly, um, you know, they had a lot of the um, Indiana metal scene uh, bands playing, which surprisingly was very good at that time because of just you know, the Midwest, but it's the same uh, black metal scene that Michael W. Ford uh, came out of. Yeah. Um, and it was a Dark Harvest bands that mostly played every uh, two weeks, but also um, Demon C would come by and everything like that. Uh, that's how I found out about Demon C. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. I mean, you're you're the one who showed me Join to Darkness, which is another one of my top ten black metal albums all time. Right. Um, also, uh, going back to the mysterious songs, Savannah. So, um, other than what I already stated, uh, my first impressions was. That the music had a very distinct aura uh, compared to everything that I've heard in Black Metal before. Uh, that mainly being, like, say, fucking Gorgoroth and Burzung and uh, Dark Throne. Uh, and, you know, it just instantly brought me images towards uh, fucking the fog and the church as a diabolical saint uh, and light and everything like that. Um, the main fucking criticism I had at that time uh, was the vocals. I wasn't attuned to um, Attila's vocals and black, like while buying a black doll. I right. thought it sounded like a fucking um, harsher version of Billy Idol. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my first impressions. Um, but, you know, I 
grew accustomed to uh, until his vocal was over time. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, their experience was like, they had to get used to Attila's vocals. They know, like they didn't like yeah, it very much. Yeah. And then, then eventually they become like your favorite thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, something I also wanted to throw in was, uh, pretty much, um, yeah, just the atmosphere and the cover art and everything had a very medieval religious sense to it. And, created one big package and this is obviously something that offshoots into orthodox one though very heavily yeah yeah my my um i remember getting it at a store here black and red i met about it there and i um i think that you know i feel like uh the biggest thing about the mysterious Satanas is that it's it's got such a thick atmosphere to it that my feeling about the the atmosphere of it has remained pretty much the same since I first put it on to now. Even I've listened to it, you know, probably tens of thousands of times over the years. You know, who, who knows how many times I've listened to that album? You know, like yeah, um, and it's it's this it's the same atmosphere from beginning to end, like this dark atmosphere um like you said very medieval it has that kind of um feeling like that church in the cover feels like some type of dark satanic church you know like and and all that kind of stuff like very much present and i feel like um some things are really like stuck out to me too is like the 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 sound of it i still think to this day it's one of the best produced black metal albums like the way that everything works together yeah, definitely. is perfect you know like uh, and even it started that dark cathedral sound i guess you could say within orthodox black metal uh because they use the natural acoustics or Greek album. yeah exactly you know it was recorded in greek holland by pitten and um if you watch the the helvetta um uh documentary that they did for anarchy you see them like if like he's there with Hellhammer and Attila and they're talking about uh, uh like you know Hellhammer set up his drums like on the stage and he had like yeah, you know they they gave the exact placements of the amps and everything yeah I remember yeah they're like uh you know Uranus was standing here and in, in in the you know in where people sit and we had the amps there and then Varg was over there you know like with, with the bass yeah, up and yeah they played everything live together which is amazing of how tight they were and then we are honest did his overdubs on top of it for guitar you know and mm -hmm. and then until obviously showed up later and did his vocals in that booth like and he said that he he you know was had the completely dark with black candles you know and he's holding like a skull or something like that while he's doing the vocals you know so yeah totally getting into the atmosphere of the lyrics and the and the energy of the music and this 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 is that kind of music is music have you played with a a candle in the dark with a skull in your hand it's that type of album you know until it definitely has like a theatric personality about it and that kind of reflects here yeah he had to use these theatrics even like in the studio to get into the but it's again, it's channeling that he felt like he was channeling the lyrics that he, you know, from dead, he wanted to channel them and tap into whatever to what dead was tapping into. So that's how he, he was using the atmosphere to get into that mode. So it's like, 
like you said, it has the cathedral feeling, has this nat this natural reverb, the huge fucking powerful drums, you know, the guitars have like a lot of reverb, vocals, you know, and it really does create that cathedral atmosphere, which a lot of Orthodox bands like Unscapped and Mortus and other bands like that have kind of taken and run with, you know. So it's like uh that and, and that side of it's important even like say what well, tame of Cassus luciferi like that album feels very much like if you took this album and combined it with dissection you know <laughs> and it's like yeah. but very much a similar like you could tell that they were trying to go for that same production like you know neck necromorbus studios like he's trying to record get that sound i mean and it's ironic because now Def definitely a foundational groundwork yeah towards the general sound it's ironic too because necromorbus is now mayhem's like um manager and he like recorded the last mayhem album Damon, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of funny the um so yeah so it's like this is like the the found foundation and um it's one of those albums that i listen to i can put on and then i remember used to listen you know if i listen to it in the car i remember when it back in the day i haven't listened to it in the car and it's listening to it on repeat blasting it like real loud so you could feel the drums in my chest you know what i mean and driving <laughs> yeah around. yeah it's like a perfect album for that. <laughs> for sure, definitely. The drums are fucking absolutely huge. Um, and I, I think it's kind of like a foundational thing in terms of what was important. Uh, are the drums thin? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I always said that there's two main types of black metal sounds that I, I, I like, which is one side, I do like the Under Funeral Moon more compressed type of sound that is very like still has that catacombs type of feeling. It's a little bit more raw. But, but again, you do, you do have the four times, which kind of the four, compensates for it all. Yeah. The four times is like, dun, dun. it's like really loud. Um, yeah. And the drums, you can hear the drums. They don't sound tick tock, you know, they're real drums. Right. So you can hear them. Yeah. It's just, it's just a little quieter. And that's more of the, the, the return of darkness, and evil Bathory mode. And then you got this other mode, which is like real loud drums and, cathedral atmosphere which is you know i i you could look at like under funeral moon's catacombs black metal where this is mm -hmm. cathedral black metal you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah definitely and of course like the um the uh one of the core first orthodox black metal releases which is of course off Mott's mysterian tezanomi's ep i mean is 100 percent I mean, the cover is a, a tribute to the cover of the Mysterious. Definitely a tribute to. Um, and, you know, they say the best form of flattery is fucking uh, almost ripping people off. Uh, also, uh, they say in terms of writing, um, you have to emulate the voice of others before you can find your own. And that's kind of the case here, I, I think. Yeah, I would say, you know, like, Belfagor had been in Nefandus before that, um, which he did continue on as well. But, uh, you know, I guess he was not very happy with the first Nefandus album. And so he went off to do this other thing. And obviously the the, the blueprint for, for this album is 100% or EP is 100%, you know, Demasterous. It has its, has some elements of its own thing that, that um, you know, he developed more on like, you know, because I feel like TM2 is probably the uh, offer mod, like that that one and his album Soul Knox are the two ones I like the best, but uh, he has more of a, a distinct sound, I guess. 
but yeah. um definitely uh this one's very it's very tied to to that and it has the alfred schnickta um introduction you know with the, yeah which on uh, then did on dodan's event or not sorry on draco see me he ducks uh as a tribute to offermod although i have to say that uh i think on uh, was a lot better than this the cp but the cp is still a, a good ep and it's very important to black metal history right so it's like this right, was the one yeah. that that helped spark off like um at least the title and everything that associates it with the sound yeah orthodox religious black metal the the feeling the overall thing and and just the i guess the between that and him being you know the extremity uh you know of all that belfagor was a very extreme guy still is you know but i guess he's not chasing people yeah. out of axes anymore right <laughs> right <laughs> but, if you're not ch chasing people with axes you don't know how to live yeah and i mean around the same time the uh you also had the mork the band not not, not mork the band malign was a big influence around the same time with uh right their, their admittedly i'm not too familiar with that one so you're gonna have to kind of talk about your own experiences with that yeah malign i one that i didn't really get into till later um i mostly mention it because uh everybody involved in the thing talks about how important malign is be it watain or offermod or everybody like i don't um you know, I feel like is is their shows and just their whole like their whole intensity presentation, presentation yeah. and their just intensity. Like they were kind of the center of this kind of group of guys that rose, like them and then Ariok from Funeral Mist, and they're all kind of like connected to Marduk as well, Marduk. Um, yeah. And so, so you also had the Triumphator CD, which you said you haven't, which you should check out at some point, which um, was had lyrics from Mork from Malign and. And you know, is that thing from Tina Tena? I don't. And Ariok did this project Triumphator, which is around '98, around the same time as that, I believe. Okay. Um, and then definitely sounds a lot like Funeral Mist because Funeral Mist also was starting around this time because you had like the first demo in '96, which is on the Devilry CD. Yeah. Um, because like I feel like in the history of the things, probably the next release would be Devilry, right? Because Devilry came out and. Yeah, Devory. Uh, Devory was one of my fucking uh, like most prized albums as far as this goes because uh, to me the music is so much more intense than Salvation, but I really like Salvation as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say that uh, Funeral Mist, as far as Funeral Mist goes, uh, Devory is definitely my go-to. Yeah, my good yeah, my good is Delvery and Salvation. I think that um but the thing with Delvery, Salvation has a similar atmosphere on it. It's a little different, but Delvery has a very distinct atmosphere to it, you know, that in some ways it has that that kind of um bigger sound that a kind of like almost cathedral sound, but it's more extreme than say mm -hmm. You know, like they have more of that Marduk DNA into what he's doing than, uh, than you know, I mean, than say just straight mayhem worship. You know what I mean? Like it's like right. you got this kind of aggression to it as well, but there's this dark atmosphere to it that 
I don't know, like it very much like to me, devilry very much represents that that real proper like medieval devil worship type of atmosphere in a lot of ways too, you know, like it's very yeah, like yeah. yeah. Songs like the devil's emissary and, and all the samples that he uses. Like I love all the like music you know, he has samples from like I know um on the demo as well as the as well as devilry he has samples from like Nosferatu in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. And um uh, I know on Salvation he has samples from um, from uh, Phantom Carriage and you know the Seventh Seal and you know like I love all the the sounds and stuff that's going on. So it's not just chaotic, aggressive black metal, but it's also got all this other like atmospheric elements going on. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like for me, like hearing Delvery and Salvation, because I've always I have like a part of me that's always been like very geared towards very aggressive black metal, you know, like I'm a big fan of stuff that's like very harsh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Funeral Mist was very much like a, like a lightning bolt for me, you know, it was like, this is, you know, hearing those albums was like very uh, important and his vocal, Ariok's vocals were very important for me. Like it definitely like a lot of my old demos, I remember mod- like doing that that thing where you're trying to kind of copy a little bit to find your own sound, but he definitely is in the DNA of my vocal techniques and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very influential vocalist as far as that goes. Um, I would also say that, uh, did you want to touch upon the Norma Evangelion Diablo bands uh, since we're going in that direction? Yeah. And then I obviously really want to talk, we should talk about, on Skept as well. I don't know if yeah, what order definitely. do you want to do that? Do you want to do NAD first and then get into more of the albums or? Oh uh, yeah, just in general overview, overview uh, as far as um, kind of what I have listed here. Uh, did you want to talk about Anteus at all? Yeah, we can get into that as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess let's, Let's talk about NED and then let's talk about like Onscapt and Anteus and okay. stuff like that. So, and all yeah. those, you know, Decimal Omega and whatever. I know you have like some ban- bands listed you want to talk about as well. So it's kind of tied to NED. Cause yeah, cause Norman Evangelium D. Bali in the early 2000s, I don't, when did the, when did Catharsis come out? Cause that was the first one, right? Uh, I want to say 2002. 666 uh, what came out around 2000. 2000. And then crucifixion was 2002. All right, I I have it here. I don't know. I'm like asking you. I have it right here in front of me. Uh, Catharsis crucifixion came out in 2003, actually. So 2003. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So that was yeah. So that was the same year as that's right because they did the 666 trilogy um, like every three years or something like that. Yeah, 666. Yeah. Let me let me just double check this. Uh, Crucifixion, yeah, two thousand three. So six 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 was two thousand. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, Norvangelum Diabali was is the French wing of of the whole. You know, like, that was like the central label for, and still is for Orthodox Orthodox black metal, the the, the kind of core core bands, right? And it's like um, founded in, you know. Catharsis was the first one, so 2003, probably found a little bit before that, but it was created by, I know MKM from Anteus is, is one of the main guys, and I think you're seeing that maybe um, one of the guys uh, from Soul Omega. Uh, pastoral, pastoral uh, guitarist of Decimal Omega. Yeah, so I feel like 
It's a legend. So, no, no one really MK, knows. Me. <laughs> yeah, MKM is definitely like, you know, the backbone behind. Uh, yeah, he's like the the outward facer. Yeah, and um, and you know, it became NED became um, the kind of uh, center point. You know, all the bands on the label like in the early 2000s were the bands that if you were into this kind of stuff you had to have all the the stuff they released you know what i mean and right, i mean it, yeah. it kind of goes goes i mean i remember having like a uh, old flyer with all the bands listed on it and you know that was how you knew like okay i need to pick up these all these bands you know like and and um and i mean still to this day if NED releases something i'm gonna, probably going to to listen to it or even pick it up like i mean or it's going to be on my best of list. I mean, last year they had Verberis, which that album was really sick. And I mean, this year they've already released Sodality. But um, yeah, I mean, so yeah. Um, as far as was, uh, Catharsis goes, what are your own experiences? So Catharsis was, uh, um, I found because of you, because you sent them to, sent them to me. So uh i remember remember you sending to me an, an aim back in you know 2005 <laughs> right <laughs> i think that was right when, i think when we first met that was one of the first things you sent me was catharsis and and demons I, I don't want to say 2005 probably 2008 no it was early on dude it was like 2005 2006 okay uh, yeah yeah because i remember i remember getting that very early on okay when we when we met each other so um because I, I have the i burned it on disc and I remember listening to it all the time, like 2000, late 2005, 2006. So, yeah, probably earlier okay. than you even thought. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, are you sure you discovered that through me? Or... Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody else would have sent it to me. Like, you're already a pretty big fan of them, I, th I think. Um, pretty sure. I got it around that time, at least. I got it in 2005, 2006. I'm pretty sure it was from you. I mean, because it would have either been you or elias or donnie i mean it was only so and i don't think donnie was really into it so <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't think it was elias i mean it could have been elias but uh i'm pretty sure i got it from you but yeah i mean i got that yeah i'm 100 percent certain it was from you because i remember talking about it with you back then so gotcha. um okay yeah, what so, your own experiences? i mean i remember putting it on and just being like uh um very like you know, I mean, it starts off with like the big, the loud, you know, the screaming, the, and, you the know, fucking whale. the whale at the beginning, and you're just kind of go, oh, okay. And um, again, it's very raw. It's very like it has the kind of production style of Under Funeral Moon, but then it's like progressing it further into this other direction. So it feels a little bit dark thrown, but then it has like more thrash to it, I guess, in a way. It's a little bit more thrashiness, a little bit, um, whatever. I've always just associated the album with this kind of um uh kind of similar to on a film moon it's like a bit more catacombs feeling but then with a little bit mm -hmm. of that cathedral feeling yeah. as well uh very you know very aggressive um yeah i mean i've always liked it a lot um it's uh, probably still to this day my favorite of the catharsis albums and of course it's got to be pointed out that the cover is from the petrified zine Petrified yeah. Yeah. So again, we're yeah, Full Moon Productions did so, which I actually found on um um, actually Full Moon Productions. The guy he posted a link to it on 
online. There's a place where you can find a full scan of that zine. Um, so, I mean, and that zine had is like pretty uh, core one for black metal. I mean, it had like Burzum and, you know, I, know, I think it has like Black Funeral and like, you know, just like. I think I know what you're talking about. I haven't been able to uh, check that out in full yet, though. So. Yeah, I haven't really read it through. I just, I pulled it up. I have it like saved like in my uh, tabs on my phone. You know what I mean? But. So I feel like I feel like by doing that, like okay, we're going to put this as our cover. We're again doing that thing where we're referencing directly back to some some of the core elements of the second wave. You know what I mean? Core principles. Yeah. So I feel like that's yeah, a big part definitely. of the what Catharsis was doing. I had I had I had a shirt for Crucifixion, which I still do, but I stopped wearing it because it was like literally falling apart because I wore it so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember, and um, later on, like when I actually like started going out to the, to the, uh, metal bars and stuff here, uh, literally nobody knew who they were. So you know, I was like, you have a bunch of posers here in Denver, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Don't even listen to black metal. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. I felt like that because I remember hanging out with um, Donnie one time, and we were talking about you know all this real obscure black metal stuff and. These supposed metal people were coming up and had no idea what we we're talking about and it's like we walk away and stuff and i'm like yeah <laughs> so two guys who probably look the least like black metal are the guys who are talking know all this stuff you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah that were the most invested into it yeah it's pretty funny but yeah they um see i've always been i feel like um catharsis is one of those bands that definitely hit me pretty hard in that time period and um and although I have to admit that as years have gone by, I've listened, I listened to them less than maybe some of the other bands. You know what I mean? Like, I've been listening to them less because uh, I found out what track. So. Right. Yeah. That kind of puts a little, because the thing with, with Orthodox black metal that is because it's so like serious that you're, you know, you kind of have these people kind of, you know, they have to be for real about what they're doing. So you can, you get a sense that somebody's maybe kind of, um, a poser, like it kind of ruins it a little right. bit, I guess, but, but it, you know, people change at the time. He was probably possessed with black metal, you know what I mean? So at least, uh, that does, so it doesn't quite invalidate the music. Cause I feel like he was serious about it at the time, but it does kind of put a dampen on it a little bit when you, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. What about for you? Like what was your experiences with crucifixion and, I guess catharsis. Do you want to talk about catharsis as a whole or just crucifixion? Uh, probably catharsis as a whole. Um, was catharsis? Uh, was crucifixion your first catharsis album? I think he stated that earlier. Yeah, yeah, I definitely because I remember getting World of Foul Wind when it came out later on. Okay, and I already yeah. knew who I already had crucifixion. So okay, yeah. Um, as far as I remember, also um, fuck. So long ass time ago, I remember that you had introduced me to their demos. And then I really started paying attention to uh, Catharsis when, uh, who, who I'm going to talk about later, um, my friend fucking uh, burnt me a copy of Crucifixion and then I started fucking worshiping it. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, right, uh, no, right, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is almost twenty years ago, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, fucking um, my own ex 
experiences with uh, crucifixion was my friend for Moya. As far as I remember, uh, burned me a copy of it. And it just seemed like, in the same way that uh, Onscott kind of evolves the whole de-mysterious uh, Dom Sedanus aesthetic with uh, Dracula the City and the Ducks, uh, Crucifixion is kind of like an evolution of a funeral. It's definitely, as you say, uh, more thrashy. Um, I think I relate that to higher tempos, but it definitely has a, a spirit about it. And um, definitely the production value is mastered in that catacomb black metal way, I would say. Yeah. Um, Definitely like an album that I was plenty obsessed with. Um, just the way my mind works, I tend to listen to uh, 10 albums like every two years or something and make sure I absorb everything from those albums uh, before I move on to the next phase or the next cycle of albums or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was definitely obsessed with it uh, for a very long time uh, in terms of its haunting elements. Uh, my favorite track is definitely Blood Stained through Temple of Stones. Yeah, that um, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just conveys so much fucking that atmosphere, uh, that spirit behind uh, what, again, what Under Funeral Man uh, was. Um, just top notch yeah i feel like one thing about catharsis did too is they took the things and they increased the amount of uh repetition of riffs so uh, there mm-hmm. right which yeah. i think became even more so in world without end which was an album that i struggled with for a while when it first came out like uh to really get into because the songs are so long and there's a lot of repeti- yeah. there's almost too much repetition but then at a certain point it kind of clicked in my head you know like it took me a little while to get used to it once I, you know, even Crucifixion has a lot of that, but World Without End was an album that took me a little while to, I guess, digest, you know what I mean, and, and be able to really get into, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you want to speak around that as far as what World Without End was to you? Or? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. When I got uh, World Without End, it would have been um pretty sure let me double check catharsis world of Eden came out in 2006 2006 yeah so i probably got that album a little bit after it came out i think i it would have been a few years after it came out um probably like 2008 or something 2007 i don't quite remember i think it's probably 2007 when i picked that up but definitely it was like um a couple years before it really like opened up for me you know what i mean like i think yeah. i didn't really truly get into it until more like 2009 um and that could also just be the state of my nose in at the time or something but uh yeah eventually i liked it i mean um crucifixion always probably has more of an impact and i like the c- catacombs feeling of that album mm-hmm. a little bit more but world without end is a pretty good album as well it's just not it's not my favorite necessarily you know yeah, as far as uh, my experiences with World Without It, uh, I heard Crucifixion, and uh, 
I was living with my fucking bandmate at the time. Uh, and he had a copy of it. Um, like on CD. And he saw that I was getting into catharsis more and more. And he just gave it to me because it didn't fucking click with him, I guess. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, for me, again, I fucking... Uh, I loved it just as much as Crucifixion. Um, the vocal style is very, like, different than Crucifixion. Um, and it almost seems... They, I think I even heard like rumors online that track was being tortured during the recording or something like that. <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, yeah, adds his own, yeah. Definitely adds his own uh, fucking elements to it. Um, it's very high volume and very intense music. Um, it, to me, the uh, fucking um, the repetition is very trans inducing. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's the thing with that, um, that, that, yeah, it took a w little while to grow on me. Uh, and when it did, I, I appreciated the repetition because I, you know, I don't mind repetition in black metal. I mean, I'm into Vaughn, who only has songs that have one riff and each song, you know, right. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have no problem with repetition. It was just like, um, like 16 minutes of like the, you know, the title track is fully comprised of so many riffs, but, um, and also, uh, 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 the third track is very, you know, rep repetitious in a way that's only comprised of so many riffs, but especially on the ending part, it just fucking, uh, creates that transinducing effect. Yeah. I've always, uh, connected World Without End with the, uh, the last Ovsky album. Cause that album has a similar type of thing where it's like really long songs, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, World Without End was to me a very like unique uh, release at that time. Yeah, it had definitely. its own aesthetic with the cover art and everything like that. It was very uh, diabolical. Yeah, say. yeah, it had a very and the lyrics and everything. It had this kind of like. Uh, they, yeah. they typed the lyrics in a black metal way, pretty much. Yeah. Like, fire was F-Y-R-E, everything like that. Yeah, it was very old school. Yeah, very uh, uh, old-fashioned. Yeah. It has, it has, like, a lot of kind of witch elements to it and, and destruction and, you know, kind of, yeah. like Yeah, it definitely has its witching vibes, for sure. Yeah, and then of course he had Fourth Reich, which um, was the last album, and uh, I like that one quite a bit as well. Again, it's been a while since I listened to it, but I always thought that album was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was kind of I think of uh, Fourth Reich as an album that should have been between Crucifixion and Without It because it kind of ties those uh, the stylists together. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, it, it's like they leaped from Crucifixion to whereas Fourth Reich was the bridge. Yeah, between those two. Yeah, my, my main memory of Fourth Reich is um, hearing it for the first time when we were driving down to the Gathering of Shadows. When right, come up yeah. Visit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you made a comment on, uh, I think, the first track or something. 
uh, we were listening to the ending and they were like, you said something along the lines of, yeah, catharsis always does like fucked up things or whatever. Uh, the first track, uh, So No, the Hearts had like the chanting and the repetitive riffs and everything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, so it has kind of a special place in my memory, in my and for me because probably because that reason because you know we're going to the gathering shadows for first time and mm-hmm. it's very yeah. very tied tied to that experience you know <laughs> yeah yeah and the um the uh let's see so I guess uh kind of like this let's um what's the ne- what's the next band on on your list uh, Decimal Omega Decimal Omega cool um. Yeah, kind of like this format, kind of going through this stuff. So um, the uh, Decibel Omega, uh, I found out Decibel Omega. I don't know who sent it to me. I don't remember. All I know is that I remember hearing Inquisitors of Satan. And uh, it might have been Donnie even. I don't know. I mean, I knew about the French Black Legion stuff and, and all that and got other people into it because I had already found, you know, the Black Legion's. And I don't really know exactly how I got how I got into Decimal. I don't remember. It's lost to the lost to the fog of time. But I just remember getting like um, Quizzers of Satan and um, and like you know tracks from their splits and you know eventually that eventually put on the Manifestation CDs. You know, yeah. Um, that was like my introduction to to Decimal Omega was the Inquisitors album, and then I actually got. Sometime after that, I was I was able to get uh, Kenos and Sea Monumentum. You know, soon after that, so that's probably like 2006 or something when I got Sea Monumentum and Kenos. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so and um, Decimal Omega is very like I was really really loved Inquisitors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, getting into Kenos and Sea Monumentum was uh, definitely like a uh, um. It's more challenging, you know, in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Because, but I, um, particularly Kenos, I guess, but I, uh, I guess I was also just fascinated by the lyrics and trying to puzzle out what, like, what the fuck they're talking about sometimes. And, <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Particularly Kenos, like that, that EP, I still don't really know what they're talking about, but, um, the, uh, Sea Monumentum is a lot easier to follow. That was, that's still to this day probably my overall favorite Deathful Omega album. There, there's a lot of uh, Decibel Omega fans that um, talk about the lyrics in terms of they're creating their own fucking branch of the six eight and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like, it's definitely you feel like the lyrics are some type of uh, gospel or something of this type of you know theistic satanic um, current. You know what I mean? And and yeah. yeah, there's a lot. There's so much like kind of tied up into what they're talking about and um you know i'm a big fan of the manifestations albums that have like the all their split stuff from the early era and i really like manifestations too because you you see how they developed and grew into sea monumentum you know yeah um but i'm yeah i remember listening to sea monumentum it was very it was like kind of like you know hearing salvation for the first time or or on these bands it was like very uh like you know, I remember putting it on, and you have like the the first prayer, and like the the choirs, and kind of like uh, dissonant guitars and stuff. And yeah, uh, that intro really fucking hit on for sure. Yeah, yeah, it hit hard. Yeah, 
and just the whole atmosphere just like this kind of religious dark um atmosphere i like simonyantum because it has nkno's both because they have still have a lot of um more of the black metal like elements you can still hear elements of of their earlier material but it feels like very much like balls up like you know there's a lot more balls to the production and it's mm -hmm. got a little bit more of that that demysterious production type of style and whatnot you know with it but i mean it was like it was definitely like a, a you know a thunderbolt in a way maybe you know uh very like i mean i've listened to the album again countless amounts of times and it's very influential on me um do you remember when you first heard it uh as far as uh Despo omega goes as a whole uh foss was my introduction to that and i got that uh shortly after it was released okay yeah yeah i remember, yeah. Getting, I remember getting foss when it came out and since i'd already been a fan of theirs it was that one was very much like what the fuck is going on you know because it was so different in a lot of ways yeah so it, in a way my interest in Despero Vega kind of stemmed um from that album because as you know I probably talked about that album uh for years um I just recently feel like I absorbed everything that I need to from that album um and don't listen to it every fucking day anymore. <laughs> uh so um yeah as far as Foss goes um it was then that it started with Kenos and the, the earlier material um past like um the style change and the vocal change uh the manifestations and Inquisitors of Satan and everything like that. I wasn't too much a fan of. Um, yeah, I don't like Infernal Battles, for example. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, also, as far as Foss goes, uh, it was just extreme. There's so many fucking elements that could come into play. It is one of those albums where um, you fucking listen to it in depth, and then again, years later, Hear something different, uh, and yeah, just very dynamic in the sense that mixes. Uh, I would say death metal, black metal, uh, and even some like dark jazz elements. Uh, like fucking, they just make it work in a way that's uh, very haunting and catacomb like. And then they fit so many riffs within a minute, you know. It's very technical in that sense. And the guitars don't need to be distorted. Uh, and like, as you would get from, like, your average black metal. Yeah, so, the guitars are kind of, like, chimey in a way. They're not they're really not very distorted at all on that album. Yeah, and, and then just the atmosphere in general um, kind of encapsulates uh, how I think about orthodox dogma in the sense that it is, you know, the shrine of that black. So. Right. <laughs> I feel like the the thing that I like best about Foss was the, the atmospheric elements too, like the, the choirs yeah, and, the, yeah, and definitely. like the ambient elements and all kind of stuff. Like, uh, I can appreciate the real, uh, you know, what they're doing was kind of tying into... Uh, 
classical, you know, dissonant classical music like Penderecki and Gorecki and all those kinds of guys, yeah. right? Yeah, but stuff like that. Yeah. And I pre- I do appreciate what they're doing on there. Uh, but it never really spoke to me in the same way that it spoke to you, you know what I mean? Like it was kinda like I was like, I like I like it, but it's not like an album that I listen to all the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, Knoz was kind of like a, for, for me, um, a branching off because I discovered Knoz after Foss. Yeah. But it was like a branching, um, kind of in the same way that I uh, was talking about catharsis. It was a bridge between the uh, Foss and the previous album to that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Knoz was definitely the, the meeting point. Like it, Still had some of the more traditional black metal elements, but then it's adding a lot more of that the dissonant stuff that became their, I guess, their more defining stuff. Because I mean, the albums following Foss were definitely in a similar vein, although they dialed back somewhat. Like Foss is definitely their most extreme album, you know, like in terms of pretty much everything. I mean, the songwriting is the most extreme, the most otherworldly and alien, you know. Yeah. Yeah like the riffing on that is very like, alien like it's like i don't even know how people come come up came i don't even know how they came up with it but they did you know or make a guitar mm-hmm. sound the way they did you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah exactly which is definitely uh uh something that's really cool about that album yeah. but yeah, yeah. i feel like the rest you know i feel like i like diabolus abscondus and um drought and you know all their the stuff past that paraclet power celsus um to me they got too fucking progressive uh yeah after Foss. That, that's um, kind of my issue with with some of the Her- Heracletus, uh, i can appreciate it because i bought the vinyl version and i really like the cover of just the presentation and everything like that yeah but what i was looking from um with him was not presented like that so, yeah yeah, I would say that that's my main issue with DSO past Foss. Like, I do like the Diabolus Subscondus, but it actually came out between those two, I believe, originally. So that's more tied to their earlier that that one that EP. Um, yeah. Like, so like, they released that. Yeah, Diabolus Subscondus was more tied to that, or Chaining the Catchion was okay. But I think um, my big problem with DSO after uh, after Foss and that stuff was that it. Um, I don't, it's not bad. I like it. Okay. But uh, it doesn't really do, um, doesn't really have the same atmosphere as the earlier stuff because there's kind of a continuous atmosphere from C Monumentum, Kenos to Foss. Even though Foss is very different from those in a lot of ways, there's still a similar, that kind of orthodox, like cathedral, dark atmosphere to it, right? You know? Yeah. Where I wouldn't say that Paraclesis or those things sound like that at all like they have a very different thing and i mean more recently they've even gone in a totally different direction with furnace of palinogenesis and stuff like that you know so it's definitely uh... it's like i can appreciate what they do but they you know i i mostly like them up to foss and that's that's kind of my my real cutoff point with dso for the most part you know yeah yeah uh does you want to move on to another band or yeah let's go to the next band um titan blood titan blood yeah um again i don't quite remember when i heard titan blood for the first time actually um but uh 
you know, I remember maybe you had sent me black putrescence. I'm not sure if it was, you know, I don't remember, but, uh, I do remember getting seven chalices. I do remember hearing black putrescence the first time and that, you know, which is today still probably one of my favorite things by Tate and blood, but I do remember getting seven chalices when, and, uh, um, trying to think uh, that album came out in uh 2009 so i probably got that when it came out mm-hmm. yeah i would have gotten it right when it came out and then, so i must have heard black putrescence of evil before that somehow i don't know how i just <laughs> you know i'm back to, don't quite remember but i do remember hearing it and it you know and i remember probably around that time also being shown like proclamation by Elias. I know Elias showed me proclamation. I don't yeah. remember exactly how I heard Tate on Blood, but um again, like that was pretty uh, uh intense, you know, seven chalices and black putrescence are you know, the atmosphere is thick on those definitely another one where the atmosphere hits you right away, like when you first put it on, you know. Yeah, with all the samples definitely. and the sounds going on and the heaviness and the real crushing death worship, death metal feeling to it, you know. It's just like, uh, you know, an amazing, those are, you know, amazing albums, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, as far as Seven Chalices go, that was the first uh, Titan Blood album that I've heard. So, uh, fucking listening to it the first time, I immediately noticed the production. You could almost smell the stench off of Catacomb walls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was very intense in that way. It just has that very uh, basement, or not basement, but very subterranean fucking um, death element within ingrained within that production. Yeah, uh, within that guitar sound. It sounds like it's um, rotting when you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the vocals go into a direction that's very haunting in terms of. You, like sometimes he, he he doesn't do the same vocal style as Black Putrescence. Um, he definitely it, like he adds elements to it. Like sometimes you would hear him merge like the vocals with a goat or something, you know? Yeah, and very disturbing, uh, like effects on his vocals when they're appropriate yeah so yeah yeah i feel like his um, vocals are a big part of the take time but it's awesome yeah yeah definitely so pretty much overall sound uh has its own darkness here yeah yeah this is a very very dark album dark is done by timo katola and i guess like the the album and Peyton Blood as a whole was very influenced by, I guess they, he did a zine and there's this issue that the, like the whole energy of it, I guess the whole like feeling that the, that this piece of art they created, like really inspired in them was what they, like why they had him do the art and it was like part of the inspiration for seven chalices as a whole. So. Yeah. It's very cryptic. Uh, as far as black pre- putrescence, um, my first impression with that, that was it's very human type influence. Yeah. Um, it's uh, especially with the EP uh, with uh, 
I would need to pull up here, but uh, I would say Proclamation. Uh, the two songs, um, fucking uh, Black Messiah and everything like that. Um, as as well as the demo, um, it's very demons influence, um, very distinct low pitch, like almost auto-tuned vocals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's very much a revisitation of that, um, that whole style, um, very appropriately. So. Yeah, I feel like uh, Black Putrescence is a bit more minimalistic. I know they're influenced a lot by like Vaughn and stuff, so it's got more of that kind of, you know. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot more minimalistic and a bit more straightforward than Seven Chalices, for sure. Vaughn, Blast Me, that type of thing. Yeah, Vaughn, Blast Me, Demon C, which, yeah, which is why I like it. I like I like both Black Putrescence and Seven Chalices quite a bit. Um later take down blood i do like but i don't haven't listened to as much as as those two things you know seven challenges yeah um yeah as far as uh later type blood uh, definitely like i enjoyed death um that was a good um uh didn't have the same fucking caliber as seven challenges for me though, personally uh yeah. if we're gonna love very uh, distinct, like atmospheric elements. Uh, it's a very atmospheric album for sure, but um, I think the EPs that surrounded that were were more in line with Life of Fire type blood. Yeah, me too. I think like uh, I just it didn't. Some of the later Tate and Blood stuff started to lack the uh, the intense. Um, malignancy and and rotting feeling of seven chalices you know what i mean like yeah definitely it starts to lack that kind of devil worship element that the earlier stuff had you know yeah uh, what's the what's the next banning list uh are you a fan of rebirth and the ethos um i actually have never fully got like it's a band I need to listen to more. I know that that's one that's real important to you, so you can talk about that. Talk about that. Uh, basically, uh, the the album, the main album that they released so far, uh, Turban Maculum, um, has a very high content vibe to it. Um, it's very haunting and very dark way it's production is very musty uh in a way that just kind of exudes this very distinct atmosphere of uh something that you would listen to out full blast at night so um, i would check it out when you get a chance yeah it's been on my my list of things to do is to listen out because i mean i know it's probably be right in my in the vein of stuff that i like that i like but for some reason it's always kind of evaded me i don't know why so it's good yeah i need, it, to, need to listen to it yeah i know that he's very important for the whole icelandic black metal scene so like all those bands yeah, recorded yeah. them and everything so yeah and previously uh from ireland but he moved to Iceland. yeah yeah i need to that's something that i need to listen to more of uh we've already talked about funeral miss um 
talked about uh, Mortis. Uh, we haven't really talked about Mortis or Onskept yet, so we can, because we we've yeah. only kind of brushed upon Onskept and Mortus. So we haven't really gotten into either one of those bands in depth yet. So, okay, uh, do you want to talk about Onskept? Yeah, let's talk about Onskept first. So, the um, yeah, uh, I remember. It's, I'm trying to remember back to the time. Uh, I think that I had heard Draco see me hit ducks. Like somebody, I, maybe you sent it to me. I'm not sure who's somebody sent it. I had the MP3s of that album. Um, but the first one I, that I bought and really got deep into actually was Dolden's Evangelium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got, um, cause I think at the time Draco was maybe out of print or something. It was hard to get a hold of. I remember getting it a little bit later, an actual physical copy, but I had listened to it, you know, quite a bit yeah. as well. Yeah, so. It was definitely on a smaller label for a while before it got released. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think the re-release I have was a uh, season's abyss or candlelight or something. I can't remember which label, but, um, um, but you know, both albums are kind of distinct from each other, but similar thing. But, um, uh the the whole thing like i guess let's start with draco because that's the first one so it's like draco was like the obviously it's got the the alfred schnick day like um um the introduction you know with like the 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 choir uh, the mm-hmm. the requiem from the requiem from alfred schnick's requiem which is a perfect introduction like that such a perfect like uh piece of music to open the album because yeah. i feel like uh i feel like the album like is definitely 100% in the cathedral the mysterious type of vein but it's almost like they took the mysterious and slowed it down right it's like yeah, definitely. it's much slower kind of almost more doom element in a way not really doom but in that feeling it's like they took they were like okay let's take this orthodox feeling from the mysterious and maybe you know obviously a bit of offer mod but then it's like I think uh, what they did was was like elevate what Offermind had kind of started, and they elevated it to the next level because you know Draco is like um, such an incredible album. The atmosphere and the feeling from it, you know, is like um, uh, incredible. You know, I mean, same thing with Dozen Evangelion, but it's a little bit different. Like, but with like Draco, it's like this kind of consistent cathedral, you know, satanic cathedral um, feeling to the whole whole album and and the lyrics and everything it's like you're in a a cathedral for satan like worshiping satan like singing hymns to satan you know what i mean that's how it feels you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and um Uh, what about you for draco uh yeah i got into it i want to say 2009 or something like that uh 2008 um yeah, first impression was it's basically Demon Serious, Dom Savannah's uh, elevated, but also, as you say, slowed down. Um, and it did have that intro. Uh, I originally fucking downloaded it um, from, I want to say, a blog spot or something. Yeah, back in the uh, blog spot days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it had, uh, like, apparently, to my understanding, is they had a different track listing than what's like known for the album. Um, 
which I understood was as the first like fucking drunk insane of the original release. Um, okay. Yeah, so like track one and five weren't merged together. And, uh, you know, I would have to like cross reference everything here uh, because, you know, track three was the last track or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, this initial version that I heard of um, Draco uh, had a much better flow to it and everything like that. Um, in terms of atmosphere, uh, uh, yet again, uh, very demysterious done, Savannah sounding. Um, and just the dark cathedral elements uh, really waking up with the clean guitar parts and everything like that. Um, and, you know, and then they do experimental shit, like, for example, I think track six from How I Heard the Album, uh, Acer buzz, buzz says, like, costs and everything like that. So, yeah. yeah. Which are kind of Continued. I'm sure you you know the track that I'm talking about. Yeah, so it kind of continued in with Draco with uh, Doden's Evangelion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That album's a little bit more, I guess, it's a bit more aggressive, right? It's a much more aggressive album than mm-hmm. than um, uh, than Draco. Yeah, but what what I'm gonna talk about later, as far as uh, Doden's Evangelion, it's aggressive to a point that I'm just like. It's almost the most sinister music I've ever come across to a point. Um, if you want to talk about Dun Seven Jillian. Yeah, if you're done if you have if you unless you if you have more to say about Draco. Uh not not so much now. Um, but uh, yeah, just a very dark album uh, in terms of its own spirit, its own offshoot of the demon sound. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a perfection of a certain type of energy, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like um for me it's still to this day probably one of the most important, you know well both the first two on scapped I think out of the Orthodox black metal is probably some of the most important ones for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're the ones that I return to probably the most to this day. And the atmosphere of it is just like kind of unmatched, you know, like the sinister dark feeling. And yeah, with like Dodens, it's like more aggressive and it's more, uh, you get more of the, it's, it's still, still DMS, DMDS type of production and sound, but it's a little bit more aggressive. You have a little bit more of the kind of chainsaw guitars a little bit on it yeah. on certain songs. I like yeah. how, the first half is starts off. It's a little bit, a little bit slower with like these kind of sinister melodies and stuff like that. And you have that interlude. And then the second half is like a bunch of real aggressive songs, which I actually, which I really love. And then mm-hmm. it goes into the last song, which, which is so like atmospheric and dark and has those yeah. experimental elements to it. Yeah. You know, like doesn't have drums on it. And it's like, um, that that first introduction, because because it's really, I I might it might even be that I heard Golden's was the first one I heard. I'm trying to think, but it was like I remember I just that introduction with like the sheep, 
at the beginning of Doden's yeah, like yeah. every time that comes on it's like uh, and, and then it just fucking hits you yeah then just hits into the song and it's just like these intense like sinister melodies and stuff like that like it took me a while to really digest the whole thing but it's just like to me it really represents like this kind of pinnacle of a certain part of the orthodox black metal like it just it really transmits this like truly sinister medieval devil worship type of energy you know what i mean like most definitely yeah yeah like this is like when the quintessential of that kind of devil worship worshiping albums were just feel so evil and sinister and like uh one thing i always always liked about unscapped too is that the main one main guys unscapped read an interview with him where he talked about like his his like awakening to kind of his awareness of his dark side was very much tied to being a kid and seeing night on bald mountain from the fantasia thing with like chernabog and that music and everything and that was mm-hmm. the same thing for me it's that exact same experience so i felt really like i guess like i can connect with him on that level because yeah it was like yeah favorite. it was probably it was probably a service because uh like if you read his interviews they're very far-fetched and everything like that yeah so. he's, he's talking about that that seeing the night on bald mountain thing from from Fantasia was like this kind of awakening for him to for the dark side of spirituality. So he's like, and, and then you resonate with that so much because that was your introduction was, to darkness as a child. Yeah, and like dark classical music and all that kind of stuff. Like it was something that they're influenced by. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess really connect to like where they're coming from with with uh, what they're trying to do for Onscap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, some more notes from Draco come to mind. Uh, just as far as the lyrics and everything like that, it presents like a very distinct uh, aesthetic behind it. Uh, as far as you know, worshiping the whole dragon and everything like that, and it just creates a whole atmosphere of all right. This makes sense as you know, the dark cathedral towards you know, old devil worship and everything like that. So. Yeah, worshiping like, the old the old dragon, the old yeah, the red the uh, the old serpent. That kind of yeah, yeah. kind of reminds me of um, Michael Ford did that Darkness and Shroud Anti Trinity album. It's like the the kind of ritual ambient version of that because like these literally like got like these like organs and chants to the devil and the Antichrist and you know centered in that kind of medieval thing. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I, uh, he he really saw one book based on uh, like old fucking devil worship and everything like that. Yeah, I think it's about that to is, come out. Pays homage to the wild and the antagonist. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. He's got a new I find that about, very fascinating. Yeah, I'm really very into apoc- apocalyptic in some sense. Yeah, I'm really in, in, into that whole thing, inspired by that whole side of. For sure. Particularly as I get older, it's, it's actually funny because as I get older, that's more and more the way that I kind of. Uh, I guess I've. I've um, gone spiritually is into this kind of direction of this kind of like primal satanic devil worship type of element of like you know drawing upon those types of things the antichrist and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean black like, mass and everything yeah just that whole type of an- energy of this kind of stuff like so it's, it's it's for me it's like as i get older stuff like on gets even more i guess like uh it becomes even more appropriate, significant. more significant for me, like the atmosphere of I connect to it even more as I get older. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Uh, as far as Dodin's Evangelion, admittedly, um, it took me a while to get, like, fucking to the album. Um, just because I was so fucking stuck on Draco and, you know, the style change that happened after that and everything. Yeah. Um, but once I got into it, it definitely, you know, was a heavy hitter. Uh, and when I understood it, yeah, it became one of the most sinister albums I've heard. Um, I definitely like the uh, first half better. Yeah. Uh, just because it prevent, presents like more of those atmospheric elements. Um, the second half is kind of like, a, I want to say almost a war metal. Like, yeah, it's almost five. Yeah. But it's presented in a way that's more intelligent than fucking um, Black Witch or something. Right. I, would, I, I, like, I like both things, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, no digs against that, but. It's definitely more invested in, uh, you know, the themes that we're talking about. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a. It's, it's still. I feel like they're trying to show on this album the the totality of of orthodox black metal. So you got these the more atmospheric stuff, and then you got these more aggressive songs, which could be in a similar range as say Funeral Mist or Catharsis or something, but in their own way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um. I don't really have any comments beyond that. Um, see, uh, did you want to kind of go? Did you have a band that you wanted to list? Uh, well, we didn't talk about Mortus because that's one that you, you showed me. Yeah, that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, well, so. yeah, penetrations of uh, uh, penetrations of darkness. Yeah, that was my that was the album that I um got into him. Because of you, because you told me to check them yeah, out. Yeah, the D, I don't want to look up the name. Um, it's definitely a, like a Latin uh, album title. Yeah, let me see. Um, Penetrations of Darkness is the first track on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, a, it's a, I know, it's just like the, here, let's look it up. There we go. D Contemplata Morta. The Reverence Labyrinth Acadon Adortantanus, yes. <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, Good it's, job. A, <laughs> it's a fucking uh, incredible album. It's definitely up there. It has that. It's definitely, uh, I guess, it could be seen as a uh, sister album to Draco in a lot of ways. But I guess, like, where Draco is more this kind of, like you said, old. The old serpent, you know, satanic devil worship type of vibe. I feel like this album's definitely a lot more uh, uh, inward in a way. It's a lot more um, occult, you know, because I mean, Mortus, obviously, Johannes from Mortus became a member of Dragon Rouge, which is like the last few Mortus albums have a lot more of that Dragon Rouge element to it. But even on this album, it has it because it's got a very strong, like, uh, Hebraic. Um, you know, um, Kabbalistic qualities. Yeah. Too, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But the atmosphere is just magnificent. I remember getting this. It was probably like about 2006, and I got it because when you came out, we went to the Gathering of Shadows that year. It was one of the albums that you showed me. Like 2009. Or 2009, sorry, yeah. Not 2006, yeah. 2009 was... Um, so it was one of the albums that you showed me 
when he came out to visit and I remember buying it because I, I was like f- fell in love with the album when you when you showed it to me. Yeah. It's still probably their best album, although I really liked the Diablery album as well. And I mean, Graves, all three albums are really good, but there's definitely a special atmosphere to this one. Mm-hmm. How did you? Uh, how did you even? How did you find the album, Mike? Uh, same friend. I think Herbalia introduced me to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, a uh, very slowed down, um, you know, where Orthodox Black and Death Metal meet. Um, this is kind of like a fucking, um, uh, like in a way, I kind of thought of uh, it as an evolution from Burzum's Death Summon getting more as far as the slower elements went. Right, yeah. Um, like, say, track three or track seven from Death Summoning Game, or it had a lot of elements um, of that, I think. Um, it's very primitive sounding, but in the sense that um, you you can tell they know how to fucking play their instruments, but they try and simplify things uh, by adding yet again more transinducing elements. That's not done so through repetition, just through overall presentation. Um, And yeah, it's as far as orthodox, like early orthodox black metal goes, um, I would say that uh, it delves more into the cult as a in praxis as opposed to just talking about it and imaginary like some writing like yeah creative writing in a way but more so in praxis yeah um, it's like coming from a practical occult background you know yeah yeah and, and i think that music kind of uh you know creates that atmosphere yeah i would agree um did you want to talk about uh grape off grape of Grape of the vine. Grapes of the vine. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I have probably. I would say that uh, that the ones out out of their three albums is probably my least favorite, but I really like that album a lot as well. I remember yeah. listening to the, it came out. Definitely a vocalist style change. Yeah, yeah, and a production change as well. It's a little bit, I guess, so not as. The first album has a very clear, powerful production. I think it was done on Necromorbus. I'm not sure about that. Um, Grapes of Wrath, was, yeah. yeah. Grapes of Wrath is a or Grapes of the Vine. Sorry, has more of a, a raw production, I guess, in a lot of ways. It feels more Doom oriented to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great album. I probably haven't listened to as much as Diablery or the first album. Like, mm, right. how about you? Uh, for me, I actually. Uh... You know, it took time to get used to because it was, you know, very different from the first album. Yeah. Uh, but once I gave it and got used to it, like, broke it in, so to speak, uh, for me, yeah, it does have that very, I would say, again, like, Hakatian vibe to it, and, you know, uh, to a degree, just, uh, very dark in terms of it's something to listen to 
Uh, yeah, it's definitely very nocturnal. It has very strong, um, dark feminine energy to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, which I appreciate a lot. You know, I think that that's an element of black metal that is often underrepresented is the kind of dark, uh, dark feminine energy, you know? Yeah, and um, in terms of Diablery, uh, I can't really comment on it. Um, I listened to it when it came out. Um, but again, as I kind of say, I'm listening to my own set of albums uh, for, I want to say, the past two years or whatever before right. I can move on to this next cycle while listening to next and that'll be something that I check out. Right. It's kind of like, yeah, I think that Diabri, I like the, um, definitely has elements. It, yeah. It definitely has elements from the first album. Yeah. I, I can't like, say that much. Yeah. I feel like it, it feels a bit more like the first album. Uh, it has definitely this kind of devilish energy to it in a lot of ways. I guess if you could look at, Grapes of the Vine as being their kind of dark feminine album. This one's more of their dark, uh, satanic, Samael type of energy to it in a certain degree, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good album. I mean, I still haven't listened to it quite enough to to speak about it in like a real confident way. You know what I mean? Like, in the sense that, um, you know, it requires even more listening. I've listened to it a lot, but because I listened to it when it came out and since it's come out, but it's one that that would be my main takeaways. It's got a dark atmosphere to it. And, um, you know, I think it's a very, very good album, though. I mean, it was, it was definitely, like, in my top ten, I think, last year. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, yeah, maybe we should talk about Anteus. Anteus, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Anteus I became familiar with in 2006. Uh, there was some this guy I was talking to, I got in contact with through some like, you know, back when I was still on message boards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he kind of turned me on to, uh, to Anteus. Um, Cause he was super into like that kind of like French style black metal or whatever. And so yeah. I think he sent me the blood war three video, you know, and that was my introduction to Anteus. And I, I was instantly in love because it's aggressive and, intense dark energy to what they're doing um i remember hearing their early stuff i mean cut your flesh worship satan like i'm not as familiar with i guess in some ways like you know like that album um but i definitely listened more to deep principium evangelicum and blood libels uh, particularly blood libels which i think is their masterpiece you know yeah i remember that came out in 2006 and i I probably, but I didn't actually really get into Blood Libels until a few years later. I think I probably got that album like 2008, and um, I was fucking like obsessed with. It. I love that album like to this day. I listen to it all the time. Like it's, I love the the noise, harsh noise intro and outro on that album, and uh, and just the the unrelenting. I mean, they're such an unrelenting, harsh band in so many ways that uh, I really like and. Just that that album, like the the artwork and the lyrics and the overall presentation, everything really impressed me a lot because it just felt very sinister. Like it felt like a, they felt like a very dangerous band in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say so. Very uh, mutilate my flesh. Yeah, they just feel very dangerous. very torture like and uh, 
self, uh, you know, infliction type of band. Yeah, they've they've they're very like just anti everything <laughs> type of band, anti life type of band. Very and like I said, very very sinister. I know that MKM was very influenced by the Order of Nine Angles, and that mm-hmm. shows up obviously. Yeah, it's, it's not surprising. I mean, he has a band called Aosoth, you know what I mean? Yeah, which is which yeah. is an Order of Nine Angles reference. And I mean, yeah. the first, particularly the first two um, Aosoth albums are shock through full of, of references to, to Order of Nine Angles. They even have the, the sigil on the cover of Ashes of Angels. Yeah. So uh, the whole human, uh, like, I'm going to grab somebody and sacrifice them to save the time. Yeah. And then yeah. even even on their the third album, um, not third, but their fourth album, uh, uh, the one after Arrows from Heart and Blanking on the Name. Uh, I think it was actually their last album. Uh, the, it would, or I guess it would be their sixth album because, yeah, so you had three. F- Fucking condemnation. Uh, no, for Aosoth. I was thinking of the. Oh, the, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, the four, like, the, I guess the fifth Aosoth album, one after her. Um, one after an arrow and heart. That album is very much, again, very ONA in a lot of ways because it's all about like this kind of dark goddess like coming and destroying everything. You know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like with Anteus, they definitely have that kind of sinister energy going on to what they're doing that kind of ties into that kind of sinister current. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was about? What was your experience with Anteus? Um, gone to it around two thousand nine. Um, my first uh, first releases I got into uh, fucking Cut Your Flesh and Worship Satan and Blood Libels at the same time okay yeah and yeah it, it, I pretty much you know regard it as face for the black metal with kind of riffs so yeah they're they're very much just other like, than what you said pretty much yeah that's that was my first impression. Yeah. And it's it's interesting you have like, you know, MKM is like this one of center guys for Norm Evangelum Diabali. And I mean you can see that with the the way that the care that they take with like their artist artistry for the packaging and stuff for Anteus. Mm-hmm. But they're very and they have that same intensity and sinister qualities as these other bands, but there's a they you know, there's like literally nothing no similarity between like what they're doing and some of these, some of the other bands, you know I mean? I, I love that. There, there's no different, nothing. It's like Tatan blood and, and Teus are basically just joined by the fact that they have this type of dark energy to their music. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, as far as Anteus goes continually, um, I would say that, um, the same time I discovered Aosoth and I thought Aosoth as essentially the same thing. But, um, you know, Aosoth, I want to say, was more slowed down in a way. Yeah. Aosoth's kind of grew to be something very different. I think the early Aosoth stuff is like the first album is a little bit closer to Anteus, you know? Mm-hmm. But by the time you get Ashes of Angels and the three album, um, it's definitely transforming into something different. It's much more dissonant. There's a lot more ambience and and uh, slower parts to what Aosef does. In some ways, it's a little bit more sinister. It's not as aggressive, but more sinister even than Anteus, you know? 
Um, it's kind of rumored. There's a rumor that um, you know how Dustbell Omega never was a member members, despite what is known. Yeah. But Antaeus was the same drummer as like the one who did Fossil. So. Oh, okay, that would make sense. Oh yeah, Antaeus like broke up for a long time. They got back together and did Combination, which that was a pretty good album too. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't listened to it quite as much, but uh, I feel like it was a pretty solid like return, you know. But then they broke up right away after it. <laughs> so yeah, I would say con- condemnation was kind of them going through the movements like the, the same motions. Uh, yeah, as Antaeus, but that's good enough, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was a good album, but it wasn't Blood Libels. You know what I mean? Like right. Yeah, Blood Libels definitely their their masterwork, you know. I would say so, yeah. Let's see. Um, the only other band that's thinking that we haven't, uh, I know you probably have, if, unless you have more stuff on your list, but the only other band we haven't really talked about yet was Watain. Watain. There's a lot to talk about about Watain, but yeah. yeah. Uh, tell you what, man, um, you have to go in like eight minutes. Um, we should do a part two. Yeah, we could do a part two. I mean, so, we, can, we, can, we can go a little bit longer. Maybe we can die. Talk about Latin and then do a part two and uh, get to the rest of what we're going to talk about because we, we still because we still have more to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 so. definitely. Uh, I have like a shit ton of more notes here. Uh, as far as band ideas, this is something I can pull up and be like, oh, yeah, right, cool. Yeah, let's let's talk about Latin and then and then we'll close out and do a second part that's okay yeah yeah. i'd rather i'd rather be able to cover everything in depth than like have to you know speed through or some shit you know because we can we can go yeah yeah. so okay so yeah so watain um my introduction to watain was i got a review copy of sworn of the dark in 2000 and uh when when did that album come out it would have been 2005 or 2006 i forget when sworn to dark oh no 2000 was it really 2007 2007 yeah okay yeah so i probably got the review copy late 2006 very early 2007 um and uh so which i still have it's the original first edition got for free so (laughs) (laughs) and um so this is gonna be funny. Is that I really didn't like Watain at first. Like I really, I didn't really like Sworn of the Dark very much, um, particularly in comparison to to say, I don't know, Onscapped or something. Like it felt very like um, at the time. I'm just saying this is not how I feel now. I like the album a lot more now. But when I first heard it in 2007, I just felt like it was. It didn't it had like the imagery and everything of like this kind of dark imagery and stuff like that, but it didn't really feel that dark to me in some ways. It felt very like melodic and traditional metal elements to it. And, you know, you got, you got all this stuff. So at the time, like I just didn't, just didn't really click with me very much. You know, I, I kind of like, was just like, I guess, you know, I was in a different track, like, like, you know, and that, that uh, album particularly, I would say very, dissection dissection like yeah it's it like a little too dissection-y because like you know i like dissection and all but they're not my favorite band in the world 
Right. And um, so, yeah, it just didn't really, it didn't really click with me very much. And then I think it was probably, um, yeah, I just feel like, I feel like there's more sinister, dark music out there. And, you know, it just didn't really speak to me. And I think it was probably about 2009, um, you know, like, I know that like Elias was a huge fan of them and that album, he saw them live for that album and stuff. And, you know, he kind of was like talking me into to liking them a bit more, you know, as I found out more about them, but really, mm-hmm. what really got me into Watain was hearing Cassis Luciferi. So when I first heard that album, that would have been about 2009 when I finally heard that album. And that was what did it for me because like to this day, that's still my favorite Watain album. The atmosphere on it is amazing. It has that demysterious Dumsatanas atmosphere and and sound. You got the awesome bass tone and riffs. It feels like you took the best of dissection elements and melded it with that demysterious sound, and it works perfectly for what they're doing on that album. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so that's what really got me into into Watain was that that album and the atmosphere of it, and then that caused me to pick up Rabbit Death's Curse. Um, and then also um, to then reevaluate Sworn to the Dark, which, you know, I do like more nowadays. It's, it's still not necessarily my favorite Watain album. Like, I kind of prefer Lawless Darkness or Cassis Luciferi to that one, but it's right. still a great album. There's, so- there's songs on it that I like a lot. You know, I've grown to really like that album a lot. But Cassis Luciferi was like my thing. And then then I really, and I, so I really like that album a lot. And then I got into them more with, um, uh well it's darkness particularly seeing them live when the first time i saw them live was it really made them truly click for me in a lot of ways where i was like oh wow this is an intense band you know like it's really cool i've seen them you know three or four times now and um so that yeah so that really yeah it's something i wanted to ask you how many watching shows have you been to what's your experience perhaps uh, with the if you can kind of remember or recall or elaborate on those yeah so i saw them the first time um it was with um the tour that was behemoth um in solitude the devil's blood and the show that was here nightbringer opened which is so that was a really killer lineup you know yeah. um to have all those bands and that was behemoth right after nirgal got them leukemia stuff when they were writing the satanist you know that period when they were still like don't don't speak to me about that man. yeah still still <laughs> i do still, not like that guy yeah there's that was back when there's still a band that i could respect which i can't nowadays you know yeah and uh and um so it was a cool it was a great show but yeah that was the first time i saw about Tain live um and it was you know fire and it was like straight up it, it was the same show as that you see on the opus diabali dvd basically you know similar mm-hmm. line, similar set of songs and the fire and all that stuff it was amazing the set other two times i saw them were both with mayhem um one time at a venue where they had the fire and stuff and then the second time it was at the, the black sheep where it was like the other type of watain where it felt more old school like um like they're kind of going back to the basics where they had the stuff on a stage and then it was like the smell of death permeating everything yeah. and not really a lot of fire and stuff but you know you know, they're a band that, that when you see them live, it 100% feels like a rit- ritual. It feels like you're being like, I think I said earlier the, in this, this episode that I was talking about, the guy I knew that had like a spiritual experience seeing Watain. You know, it's like 
um, they're definitely a really intense live band. And, um, and so I always say to anybody who's like talking shit about them, I was like, well, let's see them live because that's probably, you know, in terms of, um, fucking recordings versus live, I would say Wate is more centered on live performance. Uh, but that's no knock against Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the recordings, you know, I'm, I like all their albums, like, um, quite a bit. Because it's something to be experienced rather than just like listen to as you're fucking up here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Like when you see what Dana live, it's like you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're in a, you're in a ritual. You, they create a ritual space. They create this energy that you can feel emanating from them as a band. Yeah. You can look at Eric and see the possession in his eyes. You know what I mean? When you, when you watch them live that you can't, that doesn't, that does translate somewhat to the music, to the recordings in the sense that the recordings still have the power that they put into it. But you are missing this, this element that I think when you do see them live and you go back to the recordings, you end up liking them even more, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. How about for you? What was any of your, uh, uh, I, I first listened to Casa Slow's Security. I want to say like online or something in 2006. Um, first impressions was, yeah, it does have that mayhem sound uh, you know, based on what we're talking about. Um, kind of elaborated in it since that's like masterful. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with Cassis Lucifery. Um, I didn't like Rabid Death's Curse so much, uh, but I could see like the evolution yeah. from that. Um, next, I got into, like, I kind of brushed off Sworn to Dark because initially it wasn't Cassis Lucifery, but then I got into Wallace Darkness so much more. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it, because, let's see, Waters of Vain, that's a great song. Yeah, that's a great song. Um, and he even yeah. got um even got Carl McCoy from Fields of the Film doing vocals on it, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh n- definitely distinctive Watain elements in terms of separating themselves from dissection. Because essentially they are, you know, I don't want to say it so much that they are a dissection ripoff, but um I think I read an article somewhere that said that uh, Corthon's father was present at one of their shows and they re- he regarded uh, fucking Watain from that moment on as like the mission of what Corthon tried to do with Bathory. Right. So, um, yeah, it, like I, I think we can both agree there. Yeah, I think I definitely think Eric's vocals remind me very much of Corthon, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like his vocals have that. Yeah, that kind of, it yeah, has that overall like vibe too. Uh, next to dissection, I would say they're you know was an emulation of Bathory, and that's why I look for in Montaigne essentially uh, yeah. their own style mixed with um, Bathory, and it kind of goes back to that concept I mentioned that. Um, in order to be find your own voice, you have to emulate another, and then 
you will get your own personal lessons. Yeah. Put out words. I think it's interesting with Latane because they, you know, they released Castles Luciferi, which is very distinct. In a lot of ways, it has these elements of these other albums. It feels mm-hmm. very possessed. But then Lawless Darkness almost feels like a step backward in a way where it feels more like dissection worship. You know what I mean? Right. In a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 And then Lawless Darkness is like stepping forward again, but in kind of a different way because it doesn't sound like Castle's Luciferi much either. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. got more of that old school bathroom element to it. Uh, what about the Wild Hunt? Uh, I, very, very different album from uh, just newer elements coming in. Yeah, like I back the Wild Hunt. I think it's a good one. Like, yeah, me too. I, I like it. I think, I think they 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 split the stuff so it's like their black metal stuff's more primitive, and then you have these epic songs like the Wild. You know, they wrote on and stuff, which is which I actually like. It, it's it's very Corthon esque. Very Bathory, yeah. Almost being a ballad, but you know. Yeah, it's very very Bathory, and then you then, but at the same time you know their black metal stuff on there's even more primitive you know so yeah. i think i think it's a cool mixture i like that one came out i still like it i don't really understand the hate a lot of people have for it i think it's kind of <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i i think it's because latte became more like more marketed than most black metal bands at the time of say 2000 2008 to 2012 or something like that it uh, because of that, um, I think that's dying down in the same sense that the hate for a cradle built is dying down as well. Yeah, so. I think I think you, the thing with bands like Cradle of Filth and and Watain is that they've never changed their sound or done anything different. They just keep doing what they do, you know. So eventually, uh, people are Cradle of Filth definitely like devolved into some uh, I don't know gothic opera as opposed to something from principle of flash or dusk and her embrace or something like that yeah and somewhat but i mean even like albums like nymphetamine or something still have a lot of these kind of riffs that go back to where they came from still you know and that that's became even more so on their newer albums because the new albums were kind of like a return to form in my opinion but it's like yeah overall they're still kind of like overall like staying in their lane in a lot of ways you know they just do what they do and it's like yeah, people, it's like, I think the other thing too is that there's a lot more things to worry about in the black metal world than Cradle Filth at this point. <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I mean? There's, yeah, there's, exactly. There's, there's yeah, like, we can definitely agree there. Yeah, there's, you know, like Cradle Filth and Demi Borgir are not are not really the enemy compared to a lot of this other stuff that's going on in the black metal world that's like directly attacking like black metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, it's fucking cancel culture like arising from depths of yeah exactly yeah (laughs) but yeah so i mean and watain even more so because watain have never really very deviated from what they what they do particularly like i said earlier if anything they've gotten more like raw you know in some ways i mean their new album was more a bit more polished but i mean trident wolf eclipse was like very raw (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would say uh, Trident Wolf Eclipse was definitely going through the motions, but again, uh, and I said this about what we were talking about earlier, it's good enough. So 
yeah still a, still a really good album you know although i think their newer one was probably a bit better i, I liked their last album quite a bit yeah yeah the agony and ecstasy yeah that was a pretty good album so you know and like i said they i think that overall they're just a they're you know they're a great band i don't listen to them as much as i used to but i still put them on strictly castle lucifer that's an album i listen to still quite a bit to stay yeah um i put fucking lawless darkness on uh more these days because yet again i feel like i got everything that i wanted to from castle lucifer right yeah but it, it's very tied castle's phrase very tied to me to that period i guess of going to the gathering the first time and that little period of um i guess like uh yeah and it, you know i got into him primarily because of you and elias like um telling me to you know kind of cheerleading them in a way you know what i mean because i was kind yeah. of very against yeah. like sworn in the dark and um yeah, but that that time period kind of has a lot of um, uh, there's like a certain energy that I kind of like to draw upon, whereas like tapping into that, really starting, really like getting serious, more serious about my occult path and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there's certain elements to that time period that uh, that I draw upon quite a you know quite a bit. This type type of energy, you know, it's when I first started really developing my more mature you know songwriting style and stuff as well in that time period and everything so like um they're one of those, that's one of those albums that sometimes i put on just because it still holds that same magic you know what i mean yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah anything else you want to talk about with watin uh not really i think we covered basics cool so yeah so yes yeah, so i guess we'll have more bands to cover yeah. right there's more bands yeah. than the, both our lists, I think. And and then talk the next episode we'll get into we'll finish talking about the rest of the bands that we want to talk about. because um, I like doing this in depth, like talking about each one. Like this is Yeah, yeah. I think appropriate way of I definitely it. wanted to get a structure going. Yeah. Um and then um and then once we finish talking through all the bands, then we can get into I guess like the future, what we think for and stuff that's going on currently. Yeah, and then uh also kind of get into lyrics or yeah. whatever and how the lyrical themes like resonate for both of us or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd like to get to fin to get into the philosophy and the lyrics and the spirituality, the spirituality behind, it. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's a, such an integral part of the genre that is something that needs to be talked about in depth. So yeah, I think it's, it's better to, to do more episodes than less even, you know, We'll see how far we get the next time. If we have to do a third part, we do. But I think um, uh, it's better to be more in depth than less. So yeah. I know you have a lot of uh, podcast lineups so far, uh, so we can schedule that whenever you get time. Yeah, we'll get it scheduled here, and not too long. And yeah, this episode will be going out in uh, November, and then we can get the second episode recorded. To go out a little bit later on so okay sounds good yeah awesome dude well appreciate appreciate having you on and uh we'll be back for the next episode hope you will enjoy it yeah definitely <laughs>
Thank you.